Well, hello, Janet Plennard. Welcome to your Church Matters chair again. It's great to see you. How's the church where you live? Well, the church is doing not too bad. How about you, Dan? It's mostly pretty good, but, you know, we have our ups and downs, like any church. How do you think things are going for the church in, oh, I don't know, China? China? Well, from what I hear, there's some pretty awesome things going on there. Powerful transformations. Our guest today is Jeanette Hansen, an international church worker in China, sent by Mennonite Church Canada. Now, Jeanette's just a regular person like you and I. She grew up in Saskatchewan, married Todd, have two wonderful kids, Claire and Kate. And I must say, it's pretty unusual that they've been in China since 1992. In a day and age where most churches do short-term mission things, that's a long time. So that's like 18 years. That is a long time. And we get to talk to her, right? We sure do. You've got a scripture for us today? Yes. The kind of wisdom and experience that comes from 18 years of China life doesn't come knocking every day. And when I think of the work that Todd and Jeanette are doing, I'm reminded of patience. And patience the way it's described in Romans chapter 8, verses 24 and 25. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is part one of a two-part episode on why the church matters in China. And a special welcome to Jeanette Hansen, international ministry worker in China. Welcome here, Jeanette. Thanks, Janet. It's great to be here. Jeanette, you've seen China like few Westerners have over the years. Can you help our listeners sift through the mainstream popular media, the religious media reports about Christianity in China, maybe explode some popular myths? Does the church really matter in China? Well, of course the church matters in China, but it's um, very much like a little bit of yeast in a huge lump of dough. Because um, even though the numbers we hear of the church in China are really large, it's still almost invisible. We hear stories of amazing growth like a new church opening every day, 30,000 conversions a day. In the 1980s, it was something like that. But those huge numbers in China are small. In many places, the Christians only number between 1% to 2% of the population. In the city where we lived in Nanchong, it was a city of about half a million people, and the church had been there for a hundred years, with six, seven hundred people worshiping every Sunday. Many of the people that we knew had grown up in Nanchong didn't even know it existed. There's a popular notion out there that the church in China is persecuted. There was a time of severe persecution of the church in China. Because China was closed to the outside world, we're only hearing some of those stories now as it's reopening. And so I think there's still the general perception of what uh, happened at that point is still going on. And things really have changed a lot since that point. Now, in in Canada here, we have the rule of, of law, where we rely on the law to protect our rights and our freedoms. But in China, there's a rule by law that's interpreted by people in various ways in various places. So while a basic policy of religious freedom exists, that can be looked at very differently in different places by local leaders. So the challenge of the church is to find a place in that society, and that often means focusing on relationships with people rather than focusing on rights and law. So do the Christians in China then feel free to worship, to share their faith, to be who they are as Christians? Christians in China tell me that they've never had as much freedom as they do right now. That's how they're feeling at the moment. 
That doesn't mean that there aren't restrictions on what they can do. And most of those restrictions revolve around public places of gathering. If they want to build a church, if they want to open a church, they have to have permits, they have to have inspections, they have to have, uh, well, the money to build a building. (laughs) And so um, there is a lot of hoops to jump through to be able to do that. Now, is that different from here in Canada? Some of those things sound very similar, don't they? They do. But because of the, the local leadership having quite a bit of power, relationships with those local government leaders mean getting those permits may be easy or it may be quite difficult. So it isn't administered the same way in every, in every place. Now, the people you work with have a particular way of looking at Christianity that comes not only with a cultural point of view, but also a very pragmatic viewpoint. Can you tell us about that? In Chinese society, they often quote uh, a former leader, Deng Xiaoping, who, when he was working on the huge changes that have happened in China, said, it doesn't matter if the cat's black or white, as long as it catches mice. And that really captures what often is, is thought about. Philosophy must be practical. I had a professor tell me that uh, in China, they don't have movies where the hero is a thief with a good heart, because word and deed have to match. And I think some, for some Christians in China, when they encounter Anabaptist theology, it gives them this feeling of coming home to a place where word and deed come together. Um, it seems strange, but um, a 14th century German Anabaptist like Hans Denk, when he says something like, no one truly knows Christ unless he follows him in daily life, that really resonates, even with a 21st century Chinese Christian. In North America, Jeanette, there's a movement called the Emerging Church Movement, which has also a fairly strong resonance with Anabaptist theology, though it's not necessarily identified as Anabaptist or Mennonite. I'm wondering what the church in North America might learn from the church in China. Well, I think one thing that often strikes me, maybe more in the rural areas than in the urban areas, but the experience of persecution and suffering is still very much in the minds of many Christians. It's only you know, 30 years ago that many of them went through horrendous time. And they don't take for granted the experience they have of meeting together, of worshiping together. And I, I would love to carry that through in my life, that I never take that for granted. I also think that the church in China is in a specific time, place, um, social and political situation. It's not going to look like the church here. They're trying to find ways to be a true expression of a community of followers of Jesus in their place and time. And as North American society changes, and these changes are happening fast around us as well, we also have to be that faithful group of followers of Jesus in our time and place and find ways to adapt and change to the changing realities around us. Do the Christians often face rejection or any kind of alienation from their families when when they become Christians? That is really quite common. Um, I know a lot of Christians who are the only Christian in their family. And while their families might not outright reject them, they really don't understand why they would choose such a strange road. They feel that it's going to harm their chances for advancement in their jobs higher degrees, and in some cases that's true. People still really look down on any kind of faith as a weakness or a superstition. 
that in our modern world, we don't really need that. And if you do, there's probably something wrong with you. And so in some cases, that's really difficult. Is Christianity in particular seen as a Western faith? There are many things that are changing about the attitude. That certainly was true in the past. I've had some church leaders tell me that coming through the Cultural Revolution and all the persecution they faced during that time was actually helpful in changing that image in society because it wasn't just the church that was persecuted at that time. Any faith was persecuted. And also Western-related music or education. And so... As they came through that time, they felt that the church became more Chinese. There's a changing perception. In the past, there was a saying, one more Christian, one less Chinese person. The church is working pretty hard to have people say, one more Christian, one more good Chinese citizen. Not meaning that they follow everything that the government says, but that they can be productive contributing members of society. Jeanette, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to having you back for part two. Thank you. I look forward to coming back. Our guest today has been Jeanette Hansen, Mennonite Church Canada ministry worker in China. This concludes part one of our two-part episode. We'd love to hear what you think about our program. If you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, please write a review about this or any other episode. You can also help to keep Jeanette Hansen and people like her sharing God's good news in China. You can give over the phone, through mail, in person, or online. You can also call us toll-free at 1-866-888-6785 or email churchmatters at mennonitechurch.ca. My name is Janet Plennert. And I'm Dan Dick. Our podcasts sometimes include more good stuff than we have time for on the radio, you can find longer versions on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. You've been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Tune in wherever you are, and thanks for listening. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you, the face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.